0: Hello, everyone. Before uh, we get into this episode, I just wanted to clear something up. Uh, My guest and I, you'll hear us talk about DeJounte Murray and uh, his possibility of uh, being in contention for various awards this upcoming season. Just wanted to throw this out there that we recorded this episode on Sunday afternoon, and it wasn't until uh, later on Sunday that uh, the news broke that Murray tore his ACL. Of course, uh, my thoughts are with him. I tore my ACL. Uh, when i was younger so i definitely feel for him it's a it's a tough injury to come back from uh so obviously uh all of those uh predictions are going to be wrong uh, when we bring him up but i uh, just wanted to to mention that also wanted to uh give a shout out to my uh my buddy and fellow broadcaster tyler burnett for hooking me up with a uh, intro for this new season of duncan dynasty just again wanted to thank him he did a terrific job hope you guys enjoy it and you're about to hear it right now from the era that brought you names like chamberlain russell and west
1: the chamberlain he's got it jerry west made it from the other side of the mid-corn strike
0: to the glory days of magic and kareem
1: and magic Johnson. Abdul-Jabbar is on a brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win. Yes! LeBron James!
0: And rings were handed out like candy. Number one. Here's Jordan.
1: Yes! It's all over. The Chicago Bulls have won. It's Duncan Dynasty. With your host Garrett Bougay, and it
0: starts right now. Welcome to season two, episode one of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host Garrett Bougay, and uh, thank you all for uh, for listening uh, throughout season one. And of course, uh, we've got the 2018-19 season. Uh, the preseason has already kicked off, so we've got another year of of NBA basketball, and I look forward to. Uh, to bringing you uh, content throughout the regular season every Wednesday. And uh, for this first episode of the new season, I've got a very special guest. He is the host of the Restricted Area podcast. He's also the editor of the website The 94. And uh, he also is a fellow sports business classroom alum. His name is Simon Charon Gordon. Simon, thank you, uh, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on.
1: I didn't realize this was uh, the first episode of a new season. I, uh, I'm honored. Uh, thanks, Garrett, for having me. Yeah, uh, me and Garrett uh, met during the sports business classroom. Uh, met a lot of awesome people there. I know some others have been on the pod as well. So uh, really cool to uh, you know be making these rounds uh, with the fellow alumni.
0: Yeah, it, uh, it it really has provided basically an NBA Rolodex for me. I'm I'm really happy about it. And yeah, you were one of my my favorite people I got to talk to while I was there in Vegas. Uh but uh, so for for this episode, we both separately did a little prep and uh, we're going to go with our uh, awards predictions. So we're going to go through our all rookie teams, our all NBA defensive teams, our all NBA teams and also all of the uh, the individual awards. Uh of course, uh, highlighted by uh, our most valuable player prediction. Uh, So, Simon, uh, why don't you get us kicked off with uh, what is your prediction for first-team all-rookie?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we're going to get into our rookie of the years later, so I'll kind of... I won't really reveal my, like, delineation here, but just the five guys I have on my first team, in no particular order, are uh, Luka Doncic, DeAndre Ayton, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Darren Jackson Jr., and kevin knox
0: okay so so i have uh, i have a few discrepancies on uh, on my list then my team is deandre ayton marvin bagley luca Doncic, wendell carter jr and trey young so uh so what were your thoughts on uh on your uh, your selections there
1: yeah so i mean i, I think we can probably leave off the uh, the guys we agreed on um In terms of, so, Shea just Alexander, is not a guy that I, like, knew too much about going into the draft, I, um, I, I, but, like, and Summer League even, I didn't see a ton of him, I have to say, I mean, doing SBC, it was, like, hard to watch a lot of Summer League. (laughs) Right. Uh, I, I did catch a little bit, but, like, I have watched some film, I've caught up a little bit, and, like. More than that, it's not even so much liking him as a prospect. It's just I think his role with the Clippers, he's going to get minutes, he's going to get shots. He seems like a guy who's going to be a little more efficient as a rookie than guys who I like more, maybe as prospects, like Trey Young, like maybe even Kevin Knox, who I also have on my first team. Uh, Certainly, then like a Colin Sexton, a lot of rookie point guards really struggle to be efficient. Uh, I actually did a podcast a couple days ago um, with Ashwin Remnoth. who uh, I've done a lot of pods with, and we discussed the rookie point guards of the of, uh, last year and kind of ranked them. I was looking at, it, it's like, okay, Dennis Smith, some 40% from the field, Lonzo ball, sub 40% from the field. Um, De'Aaron Fox, you know, Markel Fultz can't shoot. Frank, you know, like, he, like all of these young point guards just aren't efficient. And I think Shea is a guy who kind of has a chance to be a lot more efficient as a rookie based on his build, his shot profile, that kind
0: of. Yeah, you know, he uh he's a guy that I I did like an honorable mentions as well and he was he made it into my honorable mention team uh because they only do two all rookie teams. There's not a third team. Uh but uh but yeah, I, I like him as well. Uh you know, he uh he seems to have a pretty good feel as a passer and also a finisher around the basket and also as a standstill shooter. Uh you know, he he seems to be pretty efficient. His stroke looks good. Uh, My biggest concern with him is he seems to really have kind of a a herky-jerky motion on the pull-up jumper, and I I fear that when, especially when he's handling the ball in the pick-and-roll, teams are oftentimes just going to go under that and dare him to hit that shot off the dribble, and I'm not sure he's, he's quite ready to make those sorts of shots at this stage, but, you know, he's certainly a guy that will get some opportunities, although, you know, the Clippers do have a lot of depth across their entire roster with the likes of of Patrick Beverly uh, and uh, you know Avery Bradley in the backcourt, uh, you know he should get some backup minutes, I would imagine. But uh, you know, uh, compared to a guy like Trey Young, I imagine Trey Young is going to get uh, you know even more minutes than than Gilgis Alexander
1: will. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I mean, I'm a huge Trey Young guy. Like I thought he, I had him, I think third on my draft board, um, and I, I think he's going to have a really good career. I just don't like what Atlanta has put around him for his rookie season I think that while their lineup makes a lot of sense you could say like they have a natural fit at every position I just don't think that that's what Trey Young needs this year I think he needs guys around him who are going to like help him get some off-ball looks I think he's really going to struggle to be efficient um, on the ball so him and Bagley are two guys that I had on my second team that you had on your first team um what why are you I guess we can talk about Bagley why are you uh, thinking Bagley's going to
0: be this productive as a rookie. So I don't, ne- I didn't really love Bagley, uh, you know, uh, scouting the, the draft. I had him ninth on my board. Okay. Uh, so I, I definitely don't love him as an overall prospect, but, but I do imagine he's going to get a ton of minutes in Sacramento, and, you know, I do think he's going to put up the counting stats. You know, I, I would not be shocked if he puts up uh, anywhere from, like, you know, 13 to 16 points per game and anywhere from eight to eight to ten rebounds i just think he's going to get plenty of opportunities and even if he's not necessarily impacting winning uh you know i think he's going to put up the numbers that that generally get you consideration for those uh those rookie teams
1: yeah and i think that kind of thought process was pervasive uh, throughout my picks here um i mean do we want to talk about any of these other guys or Talk
0: about our second teams now. Well, yeah, I guess uh, a couple of guys. That did you say you had Jaron Jackson on your first team? I,
1: I did, yeah. And you okay. had, I guess, Wendell Carter in that spot.
0: Yeah. So, so I had Jackson Jr. on my second team, and I also had Kevin Knox on my second team. So, okay. um, I feel like we should talk about them just briefly. Uh, you know, I, I really do love Jaron Jackson Jr. I I had him third uh, on my board, so so I am really high on on his overall upside. Uh, again I, I think it's just in terms of I don't know if he's necessarily even going to to start in Memphis so uh, just those minutes and the opportunity might not be there as much even if he gets plenty of run on the second unit so that's why I kind of had him a little bit lower even though you know I'm, I'm much higher on him as a basketball player than say Marvin Bagley and uh, with Kevin Knox you know uh, uh, he he's a guy that Uh, He was probably the the hardest guy to keep off of the first team because I I imagine he will get plenty of run in New York. Uh, You know, New York is uh, kind of starving for talent, especially without the the likes of Porzingis for for most likely the first half of the year. Uh, So he's going to get plenty of opportunities. So he was he was a really difficult cut. Uh, He uh, you know if uh, if the first team had six players, I would have had him number six.
1: Yeah, I mean, Knox is a guy like I don't know how efficient he's going to be as a rookie, and I don't know what else he's gonna do but i think he's gonna score a fair amount um, and and I, and I do like him as a player he's a guy who i actually did have a chance to see a bit of a summer league and was, was really impressed um, so i mean like i said on my second team i have trey young i have marvin bagley i actually didn't have wendell carter on my second team um, maybe i should maybe i should change this i think i kind of wanted to get some more like of my maybe honorable mentions onto the list just to talk about them honestly right um so the the three other guys I had were Mitchell Robinson, who I think is going to get a lot of playing time early on with Porzingis out, which I think could be a lot longer than you know people think, um, and is going to put up insane block numbers. I think really good field goal percentage, uh, and then Miles Bridges I think is going to is kind of forcing his way into Charlotte's starting lineup or at least you know high end bench guy for them. He's going to get a lot of minutes. Also, not a lot of other scores on that team, and then Jalen Brunson. Was my third guy uh, or my fifth guy? I guess. Um, again, really like a kind of hot take pick, but I'm just trying to give these guys some credit. I like. I think there's always that kind of second round guard who is just you know like Josh Hart last year, right? I think Jalen Brunson has a great chance to be that kind of guy, especially in Dallas. I don't know how much faith Carlisle has in Dennis Smith right now. Like he's obviously the starting point guard, but they love to play two point guard lineups there. Three point guard lineups, which I guess Doncic could kind of be that third point guard now for them, but I just think Brunson is like a lot more NBA ready, even maybe than Smith is currently in entering the second year. Interesting, uh, and, and it's is just the kind of guy that like is going to thrive in that system. And I can I can see putting up some some good numbers this year.
0: Yeah, I um I guess uh, you know I, I do agree with your point that that oftentimes second round picks, especially at the guard position, may may leap into those those all rookie teams. The guy that I had in my honorable mention a second rounder is Anthony Melton who was traded to Phoenix uh, okay. in that and that Ryan Anderson trade I think Phoenix just has such a lack of of quality point guard options that he's going to get plenty of opportunities I wouldn't be surprised if he if he did decently well there uh, I I love your uh, I love your pick of Mitchell Robinson I'm kind of mad at myself that I didn't I didn't think of that as well cuz he he obviously had a pretty impressive impressive summer league a second round pick that uh, just oozes with athleticism and you're right you know the the reason he should be uh, in consideration is you know the the Porzingis absence is going to give him plenty of opportunities uh, that's one of the reasons why I moved Wendell Carter into my first team is I think the the absence of Lowry Markkanen for the first I believe six weeks of the season is going to give him plenty of opportunity to, to show what he can do
1: yeah do you do you think he's going to play four now because of that like alongside
0: lopez or or do you think that they'll pretty much use him just as a five uh, i i still think he's going to be primarily a five i wouldn't be shocked if lopez is uh is very limited in his minutes even though he might be their best option right now you know you you saw that last year where uh when they they went into full-on tank mode uh he he basically started and, and then uh came out after about four or five minutes and that was it uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if you see something like that again, where Lopez is the starter, but uh, a guy like Carter Jr. probably gets more of the minutes. Uh-huh.
1: so then who uh, who else was on your second
0: team? Okay, so I my my second team was Colin Sexton, uh, Mikael Bridges, Kevin Knox, Jaron Jackson Jr., and I have Grayson Allen. Okay. So uh, with, uh, with Colin Sexton, I think he's going to get, uh, you know, I think he's already slated to be the backup point guard in Cleveland behind George Hill, and, and who knows, you know, that it may get to a point if the Cavs struggle, uh, that, uh, that Sexton takes over, so I think he's going to get a decent amount of opportunities, and I, and I really like, uh, Sexton, um, you know, I think he's, uh, you know, I, I like Trey Young's upside more than Sexton, but in terms of the floor and and the type of player they are right now, I think Sexton is a better basketball player at this moment in time. Uh, and uh, a guy like uh, Grayson Allen, I think he's going to provide something to Utah that they don't quite have, especially in that second unit, a guy that can make plays. I think he's he's a heady passer uh, for uh, for a guy his age. He can shoot the three ball. He can do a little bit of everything offensively. So I think he's going to. Maybe a break into being maybe one of the, the the first guys off of that Utah bench.
1: Yeah, no, he kind of fits like the Jalen Brunson mold that I'm talking about, right? It's like an older, experienced guy, played deep into tournaments, and uh, is probably going to produce a lot as a rookie, so no arguments there. I, I he, he was one of my honorable mentions, too.
0: So yeah, the I guess the the main difference I uh, I had Miles Bridges as uh, as my honorable mention. So let's talk about that a little bit. The two Bridges that, that went in the draft. Sure. I have Mikael on Phoenix making the second team, and you have uh, you have Miles. And it, it sounds to me like a lot of it just has to do with in your mind that he's probably going to get a lot of uh, opportunity there in Charlotte.
1: Yeah, you know, like in some ways you would think that Mikhail is more like the the more NBA-ready guy because he can just kind of slot in as that 3 and D wing. I just, I don't know how, like, legit his three-point shot is right now. Like, I think it's good, but I think it's somewhat more of, like, a projectable three-point shot than, like, this guy who's just going to come in and, like, a J.J. Reddit, right, who's just going to come in and immediately be, like, bombing threes at a 40% rate. I, I could be wrong about that, and if I am, I mean, Phoenix needs that kind of guy. So if, if he can be that kind of guy, then I totally see him making it i just think miles given his skill set and charlotte's need for his skill set is, is going to be better
0: early on yeah that 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 makes a lot of sense and and you know with uh with mikhail and in phoenix there there is uh there is kind of a crowded front court rotation i guess the reason i'm i'm optimistic on mikhail is is i like him more than the likes of josh jackson and tj warren uh in that front court and i wouldn't be shocked if he outplays both of them this year and uh, and steals their minutes
1: yeah and like I said I mean they need a player like Mikel much more than uh, than a Jackson or a Warren who doesn't really space the floor um, and I mean I guess Jackson provides some defensive value but I bet Bridges will be a better defender right away than TJ Warren
0: so uh, Simon did you have any other honorable mentions you felt like uh, bringing up
1: no I mean like like I said Grayson Allen was a guy I considered um Wendell Carter obviously was a guy I, I probably would have on my team over some of these guys, but I just maybe was treating more as honorable mentions. Um, and then uh Ronnie Walker is the last guy just because I, I really like him pre-draft and it's the Spurs, so I feel like you have to mention.
0: Yeah, he'll uh, he'll definitely be one of the more uh intriguing rookies to watch, and, and I think San Antonio needs his skill set on the wing uh, you know, after trading the likes of uh, of Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, to the Raptors I guess an, another couple of guys I, I have in my honorable mentions I'll bring up is uh, is Mo Bamba you know Orlando does have a lot of uh, a lot of bigs there but uh, you know he he's got the uh, the potential and the athleticism and the length to uh to uh to put up some decent rebounding and block numbers this year uh and uh, another guy I thought uh, was worth mentioning was uh, Kevin Herter the uh uh, the rookie for Atlanta again Atlanta young rebuilding team I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities the other first round pick uh you know and uh you know if people made the comparison of Trey Young being their Steph Curry and this Herder is uh is going to be like their Clay Thompson
1: yeah no I think Herder is a guy who could you know again I think be a great fit for Trey Young down the line I hope I hope he is right now because, because he, you know, he'll need other guys to create for him, but he also needs guys who he can set up, and he, he slots in perfectly as that kind
0: of guy. All right, so that'll do it for the uh, the all rookie teams. Let's let's move on now to our uh, all NBA defensive teams. Simon, who do you have on uh, on your first team? So
1: at the guard spots, nothing exciting here. It's I think these were both the first team guards last year: Dejounte Murray and Victor Um I, I think that you know Murray is probably at this point just. Going to be the best defensive guard in, in the league for, for several years. Here. Right, I just think he's, he's that good. Um, Oladipo. There's some question if he has a you know a larger offensive load. If that's going to like start to mitigate his effort on defense, but he, he's just a force, um, and he, he was incredible all year last year with with the, with the high usage. So I don't see that necessarily changing yet. Um, in the front court, I mean, this is where it's a little more controversial now. My two forwards are Kawhi Leonard and Draymond Green. Neither is a controversial pick. I think most people agree those are the best defensive forwards in the game. But Leonard missed all of last season. Draymond's effort waned a little bit. Um, I just think that even with with both of those things, like even if Kawhi is ninety percent of what he used to be, and even if Draymond doesn't play as hard as he normally does, like he still plays as hard as anyone else, right? And and those guys are still just like to me the best the best defensive. Uh, forwards in the game and then at center um, I went with Joel Embiid and, and we can you know get more into that maybe when we talk defensive player of the year uh, I guess I'm spoiling my pick for that award but like uh, yeah
0: <laughs> all right so, well yeah so that's interesting we we have a few discrepancies I, I also went with uh, DeJounte Murray I agree I think he uh, he's going to be easily far and away the Spurs best defensive player and, you know, I think he's going to get even more credit for that than he even did last year if the Spurs end up being pretty good defensively because they kind of lack a lot of defensive talent uh, in that starting lineup. Uh, but uh, I have uh, I have a guy sneaking into the first team that might be a bit of a surprise. I've got Josh Richardson of the Miami Heat.
1: Okay, yeah, I have him on my second
0: team. Okay, and then uh, my forwards, I have Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and, yeah, like looking at him in the preseason, he looks to be uh, you know, if not 100%, he's in the 90th percentile in terms of what he was in 2016. So that's been good to see. I'm sure Raptors fans are excited about the prospect of, of him on their team. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he's a monster. And, and even, again, 90% of Kawhi Leonard uh, is going to be still maybe the best defensive player in the NBA. Uh, and then uh, I've got Anthony Davis at my other forward spot. Uh, and then at center, I have, uh, I have Rudy Gobert.
1: Okay, so yeah, I have Robert on my second team. I actually don't have AD just because I I don't know how much forward he's going to play this year. And I know as a voter, you can kind of like you know finagle things to get him onto your team. So there's there's a very high chance that that happens. Um, I just think he's going to play a lot more center than he has you know in the past, especially with Demarcus
0: Cousins that's true yeah I, I think last year he he made all nba first team as a center and then the all defensive team as a forward so they've done in the past but you make a fair point that he still played last year with demarcus cousins a ton of minutes at the forward spot so uh, he might not be doing that uh, that this year uh so yeah that is that is a good point but i i think he's just he's just an absolute monster on the defensive end it's going to be hard to keep him off yeah, yeah
1: no disagreement there um so, like I said, uh, yeah, Colbert's on my second team, Josh Richardson's on my second team, and then, uh, rounding it out, I have Marcus Hart at my other guard spot, um, you know, obviously one of the best defensive guards in the league, even more than a guy like DeJounte Murray can, like, guard bigger players. Um, I don't think he's quite as good guarding uh, with uh, his length, but, you know, with his strength, it's, it's a huge advantage on um, right. kind of switching. And then, uh, my forwards are Paul George and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, PG, I think, was... I mean, he's been a great defender for his whole career, but last year, he just really impressed me career-high in steals. it's um, just such a force on and off ball. Even with Andre Robertson out, like, he, he's just, um, is, I mean, look, that team finished 10th in defense. I know that they were closer to league average, uh, you know, in the second half, maybe, but like Melo's gone now, so I think they're going to get back up into the top ten. And I, I think Paul George is clearly, with with Robertson out now for at least two months, clearly their their best defensive player. Um, and then Giannis, I mean, post insane steal rate, right? insane block rate, right? and I think Milwaukee's going to make a huge leap with all of their length and, and then hopefully a, a more uh, you know normal scheme this year. Yeah,
0: I uh, I had both of those guys uh, in my honorable mentions. I guess with Giannis. I also see Milwaukee taking a leap this year with uh, with Coach Bud, but but I imagine it's going to be more of a leap on the on the offensive end as opposed to the defense. I, I honestly haven't been a huge fan of uh, of Budenholzer's defensive tactics. You know, he uh, he he oftentimes does a lot of those really aggressive trapping type defense, which is not uh, not too far away from from the likes of a Jason Kidd. I think the difference is Bud's offense. Uh, you know, has a lot of ball movement focuses on three-point shooting which I think that's going to be the big difference maker between what the Bucks have had at coach in the past
1: yeah that's a fair point I mean I wonder if uh you know if Bud is going to change up his defensive approach just because like he's seen that scheme not work with these with this roster uh I, would, I guess I would hope so and I, I feel like some of their offseason acquisitions kind of point towards that like Ilya of the switch guy. Brook Lopez is kind of like a guy who just takes up space. In the like, I don't know. I just, I don't think that those guys really would have been the moves, but th- th- you, you do raise a good point. I hadn't really considered that. Atlanta did show some similarities with their defense, albeit with much better personnel.
0: Well, uh, I'll, I'll mention my, uh, my second team. I had Oladipo, uh, Drew Holiday uh, at the guards. At forwards, I had Robert Covington and Al Horford. And at center, I had uh, Joel Embiid.
1: Okay, so yeah, Covington was a guy that was hard for me to leave off. Corford, um, again, yeah, if he plays uh, enough four, you can certainly see him getting in there. It was, when I was going through this, I kind of felt like um, I, I I wish there were more spots for bigger guys because we we like on all rookie teams, you know, you're able to just put the best guys in, in whatever position you want, and now like the way the NBA is, there's some guys guard so many positions, like. It was hard to leave a lot of these centers and forwards off for like, as good as Marcus Smart or Josh Richardson is. like, There's other guys I wanted
0: more on my team. Well, right, and and I I would say that there's there's not a single position more important in the NBA in terms of regular season defense than center. You know, if you have a weak center on the defensive end of the floor, most of the time your team isn't going to be that good uh, on the defensive end.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Do we uh, do we want to
0: go on to all NBA teams? Well, I I just had a couple honorable mentions uh, that okay. uh, that I was thinking about. I I felt like mentioning um, a guy that I think uh, you know not a lot of people are talking about. You mentioned Marcus Smart uh, for Boston, and you know obviously yeah he's he's one of the best defensive players in the NBA. I just question how many minutes he's going to get this year, especially with with the likes of uh, of Gordon Hayward back in the fold. You know they're they're just so deep. It's hard to imagine smart playing more than about half of every game. Uh, but uh, but I like a guy like Jalen Brown potentially to to make a leap on the defensive end. Uh, you know you've you've got so many scores on that team now, especially with Jason Tatum uh, showing out in last year's playoffs. I think maybe one of the biggest improvements you'll see in Jalen Brown's game is the defensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, with Hayward back, with you know Tatum probably taking on a maybe not a bigger role than last year, but a bigger role, you know, as as a number two scoring option or number three scoring option now, taking shots away from Brown. He, he may have to kind of hone that side of his game if he really wants to see big minutes.
0: Uh, and another couple of guys, uh, I've got Danny Green listed in honorable mentions. You know, there was the, the story that he played last year with a partially torn groin, and, uh, you know, I think that had a lot to do with him kind of having a down year on both sides of the ball. Would not be shocked uh, with a healthy Danny Green that he that he shows that he's still one of the better defensive wings in the league. Uh, a guy like Ben Simmons, I think, is another guy that uh, was was a tough guy to keep off. But you know, he's just unfortunate that he happens to be the third best defender on his team, even though he might be a top ten or fifteen defender in the entire league.
1: Yeah, definitely agree there. Danny Green was a guy I I thought about a lot. I hope that he doesn't decline. Um... That's the only reason I left him off is just age, but like he, he's gonna that defense is gonna be so good. I, I kind of feel like they might get two guys on the all defensive teams because I think they're gonna be like second or third best
0: defense. Well, and you mentioned Draymond Green, you had him on first team. I have him in honorable mentions, and I think he at this stage is more just like uh, gonna be the the MVP on the defensive end during the postseason and right. during the regular season doesn't quite care as much. But uh, but another guy I think uh, Clint Capella. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if if he makes another mini-leap and and, uh, averages about 12 boards a couple blocks and, uh, you know, switches really well and, and, you know, fulfills that scheme Houston plays on the defensive end. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets some consideration as well.
1: Yeah, I'm fascinated by Capella this year because I think that, like, I think Houston's defense is going to take a major step back. I think that some people act like it's not going to be a big deal when they lost on the wing in the regular season. I don't buy that at all. I think that, like to say that, oh, because teams aren't game planning for Carmelo, he won't hurt you. It's like, no, Carmelo's still a bad defensive player. You win and lose, you get stops and don't based on how good or how not good your players are. Um, that being said, like if I'm proven wrong, I think it's going to be because Clint Capella is just more valuable than we realize. And if that happens, then I think he even becomes like a defensive player of the year candidate.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I completely agree in terms of Houston's defense. I think uh, they're a team that, again, losing the likes of Ariza and Mbamute, uh, and especially Mute. I think he was one of the key reasons they, they vaulted into the top ten in the league last year. Uh, and, you know, even losing a guy like Ryan Anderson and replacing him with Mello, I think is a downgrade for their overall defense. And, you know, they lost uh, their, their defensive coordinator, uh you know jeff bizdelic who i believe just retired and so you know not having that guy as a voice to to uh to correct any uh any problems that you're having throughout the year i think is is a is an underrated loss as well yeah yeah completely agree all right well that that's it for the uh that's that's all the honorable mentions i had for all defense uh, let's let's move on to the uh the highly anticipated all nba teams who do you have on your uh, your first team
1: so in backcourt, um, Steph Curry, James Harden. I feel like those guys are virtual locks as long as they stay healthy. Curry did it last year, but he, he's been healthy for you know the previous five years before that. Um, so that those are my guards. Uh, forward, I have Giannis and LeBron. Giannis, like you, you were talking about Milwaukee's offense being the place that's going to take a big leap, and I think Giannis is he's already there statistically. Um, if that team, if that team takes a leap, which I also expect that. You know, I think he can get in here above uh, Kevin Durant, who I have on my second team. And then LeBron, obviously, is Is LeBron, even when he doesn't bring max effort in the regular season. He's, he's going to put up insane numbers, and, and he's still, you know, just a, a dominant force. And then I have Anthony Davis as my son.
0: Okay, so we agreed on four of the five, and uh, the, the one we disagree on might come as a bit of a shock. But I've got Kyrie Irving instead of Steph Curry on my first team.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna need to hear you defend
0: that one because uh, no, I'm, I'm a big Steph guy. I don't know if you know well, yeah, uh, I'm gonna bring up Kyrie Irving in a later discussion, so uh, okay. so okay. I will uh, I will defend him a little bit later on. But I guess I guess my biggest thing is you know I, I'm a huge I'm a huge Curry fan as well. I've I've consistently been on the uh, the train that, that Curry is even better than Kevin Durant, and he's been the second or third best player in the league the last several years. Uh, so, so I'm as big of a fan of Curry as anybody. I just imagine uh, that that he's going to rest, and and even if he's relatively healthy, he may still play, uh, you know, around 70 games or so. I uh, wouldn't be shocked if that happens if he just gets some rest here or there. Uh, and uh, you know, he he still has has suffered some some injuries, and you know, his durability has to be questioned at least a little bit. Uh, you know, and as as well as Kyrie, but I, but I also think the Boston Celtics. Are poised to potentially have the best record in the league, which uh, you know, Kyrie being—I think most people would agree that Kyrie's the Celtics' best player. If if they have the best record in the league, it's going to be hard to keep him keep him out.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a good point about Curry resting more. I, I can certainly see him, you know, coming down from even if he's healthy, like the seventy-eight plus that he, he's played in years past. On, Kyrie's on my second team, so I, I agree with all of your points there. I mean, if, if we agree on all the other guys, should, should I? On to my second team here? Yeah, sure. So I have Irving and uh, Chris Paul as my other guard. Um, That's a bit of a risky projection because he seems to miss 20 games every year. Right. But but even when he does miss time, voters kind of seem to understand how good he is and still give him the benefit of the doubt. So uh, so Paul's my other guard, Durant, my other forward. You know, I was very close to putting Durant above Giannis on my first team, but I chose to go with the second team for him. Kawhi then uh, is is my second forward on the second team. Um, I think you know he's clearly the best player on a team that I think is going to be right up there with Boston in the East. And and, and again, even if he's ninety percent of the guy he's been in the past on either end, that's that's like a top five, top six player right. in the league probably. And then uh, Joel Embiid is my second team. Center.
0: All right, so so we agreed on the 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 entire front court. I have Durant, Leonard, and Embiid as well on my second team. Uh, I've got Curry. You know, you had Irving on the second, so we just flipped those guys. Uh, and then uh, I've got Russell Westbrook. Um, I, I, again, I, I love everything you said about Chris Paul. I, I think Chris Paul is a better player than Russell Westbrook, but just in terms of the counting stats, I think Westbrook is going gonna, is gonna to, again, put up a near triple-double, if not another a third consecutive triple-double season. He's going to score in the mid-20s, and I think voters uh, kind of overvalue that sort of stuff as opposed to what Chris Paul brings you on the defensive end. Uh, so, so that's that's why I have uh, Westbrook there, but uh, but I've got Chris Paul on my third team.
1: Okay, yeah. So I actually don't have Westbrook on my third team. Um, I think he might have been left off of the third team last year. Am I remembering this right?
0: I don't believe so. I think he made one of the teams. I, I'll okay. check as you as you go on here.
1: <laughs> okay. you're, you're probably right. I don't I don't know why I'm remembering it that way. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess voters do. I, I feel like people. Soured a little bit on like voting based on the triple doubles after kind of his, his post MVP playoff performance really kind of revealed some of the flaws in his game. Um, but you're probably right, he's probably going to get on, on one of the all NBA teams. My, my third team guards were uh, were Damian Lillard and Victor Oladipo. Um, okay, so I mean, you know, Lillard last year was a monster, I don't see any reason that's going to change. He always stays healthy. He could be even better this year. I believe it's his age twenty eight season um, and Oladipo again. Huge breakout year last year. I actually might expect a tiny bit of regression on, on the shooting, but like like we've talked about with a lot of these guys, even if even if he's not quite right, that guy, like his defense, his ability to attack off the dribble, like he became such a better finisher last year. I think I think his breakout year had a lot more to do with all of those things than just him like potentially shooting at an unsustainable.
0: Yeah, I um well also uh, Westbrook made the second team last year. Okay. Um, but uh, maybe
1: it was just wishful. <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, but yes, I have I have Oladipo on my third team as well. And you know I'm uh, I'm very high on Oladipo in the podcast I did with uh, with Scott Levine when we did our top thirty players. I actually had him ranked ninth ahead of Russell Westbrook at ten, which is I think a higher than basically anybody else in the world would have him. Uh so so I am I'm am fully a believer that last season was not a fluke and and I actually think he might be able to to still improve a little bit just because I think last year was the first season he was you know the go-to guy and the the guy that defense is really locked in on he got to see uh you know that trapping style defense the Cavs threw at him uh in the playoffs and got to learn from that so I I wouldn't be shocked just through that experience that that he improves a little bit, and I think the Pacers team in general got better. So he may not have as much pressure uh, to do as much, and could theoretically improve his uh, efficiency. Uh, but uh, but I have Chris Paul as well uh, as as well as Oladipo at, at the guard spots on my third team. I've got uh, Al Horford and LaMarcus Aldridge at my forward spots, and I have Nikola Jokic at center for my third team.
1: Yeah. So. We agreed on all the centers. I have Jokic as my third team center. Um, forward, I went Paul George and Draymond Green. Uh, okay. I, I I kind of feel like Aldridge is going to take a step back this year. I mean, he was disappointing when playing as the second option alongside Kawhi Leonard. And I feel like it, it, we might see that again now that the Rosen's in there. I think his his uh, kind of return to form last year, or maybe even career year, you could say, in a lot of ways, was um, was was a lot about being a first option. I don't, I don't see that same level of production coming from him and then um al horford uh, another guy i'm just a little bit worried about decline i really like al horford as a player it's hard not to but um a little worried about decline i'm a little worried about like all of the all of the guys on that team kind of like we talked about earlier um, and and i already talked about you know george and draymond before i think that just one one other point on george is that not only is, is he you know going to clearly be like the defensive catalyst for that team and get a lot of credit for whatever they do defensively, but with Melo gone and with having played with the Thunder for a year, now he's a little more integrated offensively, so I, I feel like he's going to be a little more efficient than he was last year where he, he shot, I believe, not a career low, but his, his lowest like, field goal percentage in the year seems to
0: 43%. Yeah, I mean, uh, all those guys that, that you have that I don't have there, I, I had in my uh, in my honorable mentions. I guess uh, I'll, I'll defend the light, my, my picks of Aldridge and Horford here real quick. Um, my, my thoughts on Aldridge, uh, you make a fair point that him as the second option with Kawhi, he wasn't nearly as efficient. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked, even though they added DeRozan, the, if Aldridge still remains the number one option. I, I, I uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if DeRozan even takes a step down usage rate-wise and, uh, and becomes kind of a... Uh, guy that kind of just plays off of screens uh, maybe runs an occasional pick and roll with Aldridge uh, and and kind of plays off the ball a little bit more uh, than he has in the past and, and I think Aldridge is a better player than DeRozan so I think Aldridge a lot of it just comes down to if he cons- consistently gets his touches he's uh, he's proven to be like a top 10 offensive player in the league and when Kawhi was at his peak, it, it made sense why Aldridge didn't get as, as many touches because Kawhi was the better option. But I think Aldridge is still the better option than DeRozan, and therefore I think if, if he gets his touches, he'll still remain efficient. Uh, and then as far as Horford goes, yeah, I mean, obviously he's in his low 30s now. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me either if he, if he takes a little bit of a step back. But if, uh, if the Celtics project to have as good of a season as I envision, uh, you know, He's going to be one of the key reasons for that, and he's going to be the the anchor of the defense and a guy that is the is the key pick and pop guy with Kyrie Irving on offense. He you know he doesn't put up great counting stats, but he's he's so crucial to that team's success.
1: Yeah, and that's a good way to think about these teams too, right? Like thinking about how good is a team going to be, how many guys are they going to deserve to have on an All NBA team? I think that voters do think about that kind of stuff, and I only have one Celtic. If they, if they do win, you know, 60-plus, um, I, I doubt there will going be one Celtic. I do actually, I think I have them projected to win 58 games and finish with the one seed. So, uh, I, I, and, and if they are going to have a second guy, it, it could be Gordon Hayward. Um, I, I don't know what kind of player Gordon Hayward's going to be this year. Um, Horford's definitely as good a big as any.
0: All right, so uh, did you have any honorable mentions that you wanted to, to bring up we haven't talked about yet? Um, no,
1: I don't think so. I mean, you know, we we talked about some of your guys. I think people people know who you know the best guys in the league are. Um, you know, to an extent. So I, I'm ready to to move on to the individual awards if you want. To be
0: right. All right, perfect. Okay, so I guess uh, let's start with uh, some of the more less notable ones and and move uh, and and finish with MVP. So we'll start with. Uh, how about we do? Uh, did you do your pick for Executive of the Year? I did this is a really tough, this is like, it's not
1: tough, but it's just a weird award to predict before the season because you aren't really predicting what's going to happen as much as you're predicting how people will perceive what's already happened. right? Exactly. Yeah. Like the resume, the resume is already there. So it's not like MVP where it's like who has the best season. It's like right now we're saying, how is this off season going to be perceived in eight months or or in six months, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, like mid-season moves, like trades, buyout stuff, that, that can affect it. But it really is usually based on the offseason. Um, so based on that, like I think not only are you looking for who made the smartest moves, but which team's jump in success is going to be most based on those moves. So Masai Ujiri would make sense because he got Kawhi Leonard. But I just the Raptors won 58, 59 games last year, and I don't think they're going to win more than that this year. Um, I think that Kevin Pritchard is a great candidate because he's going to get some residual credit for the Oladipo trade. Um, it's funny that I, I call that the Oladipo trade. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, he also really bolstered their bench, Tyreek Evans, Doug McDermott, Kylo Quinn. Um, I just don't think, I think it's going to be a better team, but I don't think they are necessarily going to have a leap in wins just because they surprised so many people last year. Um, but but he was a a candidate too but my my winner and i don't actually know like who is the guy who would get the award magic johnson or rob Um, (laughs) polinka yeah i don't know if they could do a joint award but i just feel like
0: yeah on online online those two guys are referred to as majinka right i
1: mean can they just give can they just say that majinka is our executive (laughs) the reason that the Lakers front office, whoever it is, is my pick is that first of all, they're going to make a huge leap. Secondly, the LeBron James signing, well, it is like, yeah, who wouldn't sign LeBron James? I mean, you could have made the same argument about Bob Myers and he wanted it for signing Kevin Durant, right? It's about carving out the cap space, creating the attractive situation that the guy wants to come to. Um, and then some of these draft picks that they've made, I think are going to make big leaps forward this year. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, um, People focus so much on the on the veterans that LA brought in that don't really make a lot of sense, but I don't think that those guys are going to be like playing in, in closing minutes in games, and I, I don't think that they're going to stop this team from being probably the most improved team in the NBA this year, um, which I think is huge in, in executive year voting.
0: Well yeah, that uh, that is kind of the the question about all of these these additions is is Rondo going to take time away from Lonzo Ball? Is Lance Stevenson going to take time from a guy like Josh Hart? You know, the that's that's the fear is that and that's why I I think, you know, I'm I'm skeptical about the moves and a lot of people are is that uh you know, those guys have a certain reputation and they may take minutes away from guys that I think are are younger and also better at basketball than they are. Right, yeah, and
1: I and I agree with you completely. I'm not a huge fan of those moves. I wouldn't vote like if, if it was my vote, I wouldn't vote for Bajinka uh, at this moment. I'm just projecting who I think will get voted for, and also you know based on how I think the season will go.
0: Yeah, I mean that 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 makes a lot of sense, and uh, and even though. You know, they. Uh, I don't know how much credit they deserve for bringing LeBron to L.A., but, you know, they brought LeBron to L.A. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I could see that happening. My pick is Masayu Jury and I, I understand all your your comments about the fact that the Raptors are, are likely not going to win as many games as they did last year. I guess my thought is if Kawhi and Danny Green look really good, uh, and, you know, even if this team doesn't necessarily win as many regular season games, if this team is perceived as a contender, which, uh, let's be frank, they really weren't the last couple of years, uh, you know, that I think would, uh, would put Masayu Jury in contention for that award.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point because even, even last year with the, with the one seed, I don't think anyone really saw them as, as title threats. Um, I did pick them to make the finals, which I, uh, I regret, but, um, but this year they're going to have such a better chance of doing that, right? They've gone from being this really deep team that didn't have that one guy to probably to still being really deep, but also having probably the best guy in the conference.
0: Right. Um, I really, uh, I'm really hoping for a a Toronto Boston Eastern Conference Finals. I think that could be an absolutely fantastic series to watch. Yeah. Uh, but uh, okay, so that was Executive of the Year. Let's move to Coach of the Year.
1: So, all right, coach of the year, um, this is a tough one. I mean, there's the usual suspects, obviously, um, you know, pop is a, is a great choice every year. And, and if they can still be a, a solid defense this year without, with all of the guys they lost on that end, um, it, it'll be tough to deny them, but that's just, that's just a boring pick. Um, when Snyder, I think is, is also like a great candidate, but just a, a relatively boring pick that I don't, I don't want to make, um, so I actually went with Mike Budenholzer because I think that last year Milwaukee won 44 games. I see them getting up to about 50 this year and being, again, it's that perception. Being, that's only a six-win bump, but I think they're going to be seen as like an upper echelon team in the East. up there kind of with Philly in that second tier of the East. Um, and just because of how like brutally awful the coaching there was last year, um, again, this, I don't think Mike Budenholzer is the best coach in the league at all. But Dwayne Casey's not the best coach in the league. Coach of the year often <laughs> right. does not go to the best coach in the league, so I think it's a very narrative-driven award, and uh, I, I just think that the narrative is going to be behind Coach Bud this
0: year. Yeah, and that that definitely could happen. And uh, and you're absolutely right. You know, if if the award went to the best coach, I think Popovich would have won it for about 20 years running. Right. Uh, but uh, so. So I guess my uh, I had really two candidates that I think are 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 my favorites to win it. Uh, I've got Quinn Snyder winning it, uh, and uh, I I just think Utah is is primed to to get into that mid fifties win territory and be the the definitive third team in the Western Conference. I think that uh, you know that might push him uh, to that area, and especially given that you know yeah they've got they've got a lot of talent in the likes of Gobert and and Mitchell, but uh, they don't have the talent that, you know, the Warriors or the Rockets or even the Celtics and Raptors do. So if they get into that mid-50s tier and, and have one of the best records in the league, it wouldn't shock me if if he wins it. And, of course, he's got a, a great reputation as being a, a great coach. And and my other thought is uh, is Brad Stevens. You know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, I, I think uh, has, has had the reputation of being a great coach for, for quite a few years and has yet to win it. And, again, if uh, if the Celtics, like I expect, get near 60 or even above 60 wins this season, uh, he, he's going to be one of the favorites.
1: Yeah, and I think those guys are both, you know, top five coaches in the league for sure. Um, my concern with Snyder is just, like, I don't... If the Jazz don't get up into that 50s range, I don't think he can get it because if they don't like run last year, I think it'll be tough. Um, but I think they can get into that range for sure. So so that's that's a possibility. And then with Stevens... Um, Boston, again, is a team that, like, I don't know how much better their record will be and their roster is better and healthier. And just the narrative, I, I think, might kind of burn him again, as it kind of always seems to. Um, but, yeah, again, if they get up into kind of that higher tier, that, like, 60-plus win range, I, I think he's, he's a great choice. I, I just wanted to mention one more guy um, Yeah. Based on, based on the idea of narrative. Again, I don't think this guy's anywhere close to one of the best coaches in the league, but that's Tyron Lue, I think, as a sleeper.
0: Um, oh, I, I so, like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think the Cavs have a legitimate chance at getting the 8th seed in these. I could be way wrong. This team could be way worse than I think. I just think that their supporting cast was severely underrated last year. I think a lot of the issues of their production came from the fact that, like, they were forced to be spot-up shooters when a lot of these guys like Kevin Love and Rodney Hood, um, George Hill can do more than that. Uh, and there was just a lot of lays around that locker room, right? It was just like not a, it was just kind of a, a dreary place um, with LeBron's impending exit kind of hanging over their heads. I think that they have a lot of, like, a lot of pressure is off of that team now. These guys can maybe kind of fall into roles that fit them better. Um, and look, if Kevin Love is still anything close to the guy he was before he teamed up with LeBron, then that guy's one of the best players in the Eastern Conference. Um, and if they make the playoffs without LeBron, I mean, what will, how, good of a case can you build for coach of the year like and and, and, you know again a narrative driven
0: yeah I I actually love that as a sleeper pick you know as you said if Kevin Love is the same guy or, or close to the same guy he was in Minnesota I think he alone as your number one option can can at least prop your offense to being close to the top half of the league and and I think the Cavs defensively I think LeBron was a big part of the problem on the defensive end last year just not giving effort not doing uh, his uh, job in terms of making rotations and all those sorts of things. And when your best player doesn't give effort and doesn't, uh, you know, do the basics on defense, how can you expect everybody else to? Uh, and, you know, the the Cavs in there, I, I watched their preseason game against the Boston Celtics recently, and uh, they, they looked pretty good. Ty Lue is focused on getting that team in shape. They're going to run. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Rodney Hood and Chetty Osman. I like both of those guys as – as secondary playmakers behind a Kevin Love. And, uh, you know, if they play hard, if they, uh, you know, and, and Love has a monster year, yeah, making the eighth seed is a legitimate possibility.
1: Yeah, um, I, I just don't know when we decided that, like, Rodney Hood isn't good at basketball. Like, to me, he was a, a, a big part of that Jazz team a couple years ago that uh, won 50-plus games. Um, I know he kind of struggled before they traded him this year and certainly struggled in Cleveland, but I, I think he's got a lot to offer, as as do a lot of these guys.
0: Well, yeah, you only have to watch Game 3 of the NBA Finals to know what Rodney Hood is capable of as a player. He, uh, he's he got a lot of talent. Okay, so uh, that was Coach of the Year. Let's move on now to uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the 6th Man of the Year award?
1: So, I mean, I just, Lou Williams is tough to pick against, right? He um, looks like he's going to come off the bench again. And he, he was just a monster last year, but again, like, with a lot of these awards, I just I want to make a, a kind of more interesting pick here, so he, he's my runner-up, and I'm going with Nikola Miritic, um, who was just a monster, after, I mean, really, before he was traded to New Orleans last season, he was great in Chicago, he almost, like, got Chicago into the playoff hunt there in, in December, um, he, was, he was so good that they had to, to bench him, and then eventually trade him, um, although, you know, he was he was on his way out of town because of the whole Bobby quarter situation, but, uh, but Miritich is just a perfect fit for that new Orleans team. Um, I think he's going to play really well, whether it be next to Julius Randle or next to Anthony Davis, or next to both. I think he's going to play some three, like there's going to be no shortage of minutes for him, no shortage of shots on a team that, that really needs, you know, kind of low usage floor spacers. And he's, he's going to be an important part of their defense. Um, you know, he's, I don't think you can call him an underrated defender at this point, because everyone says that, but like, he's just a solid defender. Um, So, so he's, again, I think Lou Williams probably is going to win the award again, but uh, I'm going
0: with Miritich. Interesting. So, um, this'll be a, this'll be an intriguing debate because I actually picked Julius Randall. Um, and so, so I guess, I don't know if you have information that I don't have in terms of who's starting for the Pelicans, but I envision Miritich would be starting at the four and Randall would be coming off the bench, but, um, you know, I guess I could be wrong there. But but I uh, it, it's funny we both essentially picked the the Pelicans back up big. <laughs> um,
1: right, right. Uh, and, I mean whoever is starting, I don't I do not have any information you don't have. Um I, I just kind of envisioned it going more this way. And I think Miritich will definitely be closing games over Randall. But but again, I think all three of them can play together. I think that might be their best line.
0: Yeah, that would be that would be really interesting, um, you know, Miritich certainly has the shooting chops to play the three I, I worry about him defensively guarding wings but you know there, there's a lot of a lot of threes around the the league that I, I worry about their ability to defend um right. but uh but yeah I uh as, as far as my thoughts on Randall I I love his fit with either again um you know uh Miritich or Davis I think with Davis Randall can kind of be uh, well, I guess with both of them, Randall can kind of be the guy inside, the, the bruiser. He can uh, attack mismatches and switches with smaller players and bully his way to the basket. Uh, and, and I also love his fit in this, the Pelican system with Alvin Gentry, the fact that they like to run and play, play really fast. He's a guy that can get the rebound and, and take the ball up the floor himself. So uh, he's a guy that I, I really like for that team. Uh, another guy that uh, you mentioned, Lou Williams, I certainly agree he's going to be in contention again. Another guy I thought I would mention is uh, is Tyreek Evans for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I think uh, he is, uh, He's uh, you know, I-, I wasn't a huge fan of Doug McDermott for them because uh, I question what he does that Bogdanovich doesn't do for that team. But uh, but Tyreek Evans does something that uh, the Pacers just didn't have outside of Oladipo which is a secondary playmaker that can, can knock down shots, get to the basket and finish and make plays for others. You know, I think uh, guys like Corey Joseph and Darren Collison, uh, they're just not quite good enough for that role. So uh, I think Evans is going to be a big piece for that Pacers team yeah i
1: completely agree um, I, I liked the mcdermott signing a bit more just because I, I think that he, he adds some depth and, and could kind of outperform that contract a little bit based
0: well on his in, age. in the event that bogdanovich gets hurt it obviously would be good to have a guy that can essentially replace him in the lineup
1: right exactly um but no but evans is a great pick a couple other uh of my kind of honorable mentions here and, and this is a deep award most years um I think Eric Gordon is probably going to start a lot for so that's another one where it kind of depends on who's starting um so he's 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 kind of a honorable mention if he comes off the bench enough um but my my guys who I'm pretty sure will come off the bench JJ Reddick at least early on looks like uh, is going to play behind Marco Fultz he was awesome last year for for Philly and I I don't see that stopping I think he's still part of their best lineup and is going to be out there if this team's trying to win games he's, he's probably going to be out there to close games um And he can can play, you know, with with Fulton, a lot of of ways to use him. Um, And then Dennis Schroeder is a guy who I think was probably a little overstretched as a starting point guard, particularly as, like, the best player on the team last year in Atlanta. But coming off the bench uh, for Oklahoma City, Um, I think he's going to be a much better fit, even playing next to Russell Westbrook than, like, a lot of the twos they've had and I I, look, it's not a great fit, right? Like ideally next to Westbrook, you would have a a three and D kind of guy, but compare him to the other options they've put out there. um, I think he at least gives this team another creator, another guy. And I actually listened to uh, your discussion with, with Scott Levine about um, ranking NBA players. You kind of talked about how Paul George, I believe Scott was saying like, he doesn't know if Paul George can be a, a second or even a third kind of initiator on a team. Um, and I kind of agree with that like I'm a big Paul George guy I haven't ranked a lot higher but I, I do see him as, as kind of limited in that area I think Schroeder's is going to play a huge role for this team kind of creating shots for for himself and others
0: interesting yeah I um I guess I'm a little bit higher on Paul George you know he uh he was the number one option in Indiana for for several playoff teams you know I, I get that they were you know primarily uh making the playoffs due to their defense, but Anybody that can get a team into the playoffs as their number one option, I think, is uh, is capable of being a secondary guy on a really good team. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I um...
1: yeah. And I should clarify. Um, I I won't go as far as to say he can't be a secondary guy. Yeah. Um, yeah no, I, I mean, to me, he, he he can be a secondary guy. He's just he's limited, like with bench units, uh, with Paul George kind of leading the charge, that kind of thing. I, I have reservations, but if he's out there with Russell Westbrook, I have zero doubt that he can be your second option.
0: Well, and uh, one other comment, you mentioned J.J. Redick and, and you know, they uh, the Sixers have been starting Markel Fultz in the preseason over him. I can't see that possibly happening for the regular season. I still see uh, J.J. Redick slotted in as that starting two. I think, uh, you know, Fultz's jump shot just still has not come along enough, and him alongside Ben Simmons, uh, just I just don't see that working that well. So I still imagine Redick will be will be the starter but if he comes off the bench yes i think he's going to have a fantastic year as a as a sixth man
1: yeah um so do you have any other honorable mentions here or should we should we move on
0: yeah let's go to uh most improved
1: okay so this one to me i mean this is this is another tough one to predict but it's also just the toughest of work to define um i don't really like the the definition of like young player who takes a natural step forward but it seems to go to those guys a lot um with Victor Oladipo kind of being an exception because it was a, a kind of a late leap and an abnormally large leap but um I'm going with his teammate Miles Turner this year uh Turner okay. is a guy who, who kind of is in between both definitions right like in some ways he's a young guy it's natural for him to be better this year but in other ways, like last year was the year that a lot of people were picking him to be most improved, and uh, he took a huge step back. So if he can rebound, which I think he's going to, I think that starting last year injured just like really threw him off. Um, and then Indiana had got production they weren't expecting from Sabonis, and he kind of played limited minutes for the rest of the season. Um, they need Miles Turner to be their best big, man, and they're going to give him every opportunity to you know earn as many minutes as, as he can take. Um, and I just think, you know, with the reports, he's in better shape. With the the pieces they've added around to kind of provide more shooting, um, with a guy like Tyree Evans who can kind of create and run pick and roll with him, um, I think the fit is there. I think the growth is there. And I, I'm just a big fan of Miles Turner. I always have been, and I think this is the year we finally really see him become like, if not an all star level player, then like in a in above
0: average starting big. Pick- Interesting. Yeah, I, I've liked Miles Turner. I liked him out of the draft as well. I'm curious to hear, though, like, uh, where do you imagine him making the biggest leaps in terms of his, his game? Is it mostly defensively you think he's going to make a leap, or is it maybe shooting more threes, or even maybe dominating smalls uh, on switches in the post?
1: That's an interesting question. I mean, if we're talking about his actual growth as, as a useful basketball player, which it kind of sounds like you're, you're talking about, I would, I would imagine that turning a lot of his, his mid-range shots into threes is, is going to be important. And I would also imagine that defensively his instincts are just going to get better. Um, rebounding is, is a concern, but hopefully like, his, his uh, conditioning is going to help there, at least um, kind of help his motor. But I just think it's going to be in counting stats, which is why I'm picking him for the support. I just think he's going to have higher usage this year. Um, I think they're going to go to him more, and I think that the conditioning is a huge part of that. The minutes are going to be a big part of that. So it's kind of a combination of like him getting better as a player and just putting up better numbers this year.
0: Yeah, that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I also have a center as my uh, most improved candidate, and I'm going with Nikola Jokic. Okay. So... I imagine it's going to be something in the lines of, you know, just uh, I, I wrote out his his season statistics from last year. He averaged 18.5 points, 10.7 rebounds, 6.1 assists, basically shot 50, 40, 85 uh, from the, the different areas on the court. Uh, you know, but you look at the last 15 games he had last year. I love throwing this stat out. He averaged 24 points. 12 rebounds, 7.5 assists on 50 45 87 shooting splits. Um,
1: if, uh, we have to make the playoffs stretch. We should probably start running things, stuff through the guy more.
0: Right. And, you know, he, I've also heard that he's gotten in a little bit better shape this offseason. Uh, I imagine, you know, the, there was kind of that confusion at the start of last year when they brought in Millsap Is like, oh, is this Millsap's team or is this Jokic's team? And I think going into this year, it's very clearly, especially after him signing that max extension or pretty close to a max extension, uh, that it is his team. Uh, he only averaged about 32 and a half minutes per game last year, so I wouldn't be surprised if that moves up as well. And, and more minutes means more shots, more rebounds, more of all of those counting stats. Uh, you know, and, and if he puts up the numbers he did in the last 15 throughout the course of the regular season, which wouldn't shock me if he did, uh, he'd, he'd certainly be a candidate.
1: Yeah, that's a great pick. He kind of fits that mold of guys who, like, I wish weren't candidates because it's not so much him improving as much as his usage going up, but but that's how people vote on it, and, and I can easily see him winning. Um, just one other guy I want to mention as a sleeper, not really, like, a, a runner-up, because I, I don't think he's going to get into the mix, but I could see a world where, where Chris Dunn is uh, is a candidate for this award. Dunn took a big leap forward in his second year last year. Um and he did it with a really weird team around him, just, just a, bad, a bad team. Um, now I still think Chicago is going to be bad, but now that he's at least got like Zach Levine, Jabari Parker, hopefully Markkanen isn't out too long, um, Wendell Carter, I just, I just think that this team makes a lot more sense, and we're going to finally see Chris Dunn in kind of uh, a situation that fits him. He went up from like 37, 37.7% field goal to 43 last year. Three-point shooting went up from 28.8 to 32.1. I think his attempts are going to keep going up there. Um, he had six assists per game last year. I can see that going up. Uh, scored 13 points per game. I just think like he's a guy who is going to make statistical growth, make growth as a player. And then on the defensive end, uh, he, he really can be a force at, at the point guard position. He can guard twos. Um, he's got athleticism. He's got strength. He's got length. Uh, and, and if Chicago is... A team that can get up into the thirties, I don't think they're going to, but I think they might. Then, then I can see him kind of generating some risk here.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting pick, and I I do kind of think this is a make or break year for him. I think he spent he spent either two or three years in college, so he you know he came into the league as an older rookie. This will be what his third season in the NBA now. Um, I I feel like uh, you know um, if he doesn't make a leap this year on the offensive end. Uh, you know he's probably going to be a below-average offensive player throughout his career. I think this is kind of a make-or-break season for him, so that is an interesting pick. And and of course, he already is a, is, is a very solid defensive player. Um, you know, I, I've got also uh, a, a guy that I think is a little bit of a sleeper, and that's uh, that's Jason Tatum. Okay. So you know during the during the regular season last year, he averaged about fourteen points, five rebounds, uh, shot forty-three point four percent from from downtown. Uh, and, you know, in the playoffs, he upped that to 18.5 points per game, uh, so, you know, a, a lot of that came down to his usage as well. He had 19.5% usage in the regular season, and that went up to 23.3 in the playoffs. You know, obviously, a lot of that would would be would come down to the fact that Kyrie and Hayward weren't around, but, um, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me if, if he becomes uh, Boston's kind of second option behind Kyrie on the offensive end, and if he puts up similar numbers in, in this upcoming regular season to what he did in the playoffs last year, I think, uh, you know, he'll be a, a possible candidate.
1: Yeah, it, it's a fascinating uh, it's a fascinating situation where it's like he, on one hand, is probably going to get better. On the other hand, could have like a bit of a sophomore slump. Um, on one hand, we saw his production go up as the season went on. And when the playoffs came around, he, he you know, was, was their go-to guy. On the other hand, Hayward and Irving are back now um so it's really going to be I, I don't know what to expect I, that's one of the if, if there's if I if we're ranking like players who are most interesting confusing mysterious going into the season he'd be like right up there on my list
0: yeah all right so that's uh that's it for most improved so let's move on now to rookie of the year yeah so uh
1: I have DeAndre Ayton. Okay. Um, I think Luka Doncic is the best player in this class. I, I just don't think it's the home run that like a lot of NBA Twitter, a lot of guys, media guys seem to think. Um, I think both he and Aiton have real questions in their games, some some real serious issues. Now I'm not saying that like I don't expect I think they're both gonna become all star level players. Um, but, but I think that there's a chance that one of them is either of them is better than the other, and I just think that in year one, Aiton's questions won't matter as much as Luka's. Um, so what are Aiton's biggest questions, right? It's his defense. It's his uh, ability to space the floor. It's it's kind of the little, it's awareness. It's passing. It's kind of the little things that help teams win games. But, like, we know he can put up 20 and 10 on a given night, right? I expect him to average close to 20 and 10. I think, like, you know, 17 and 9 kind of production is not too much to ask for him with, with his uh his physical profile, even as a rookie, he's totally filled out. He's massive. Um, he's gonna finish a ton of lobs, especially you know once Devin Booker gets back out there. Um, offensive rebounds, putbacks. He's gonna be efficient. He's an okay free throw shooter. I, I just think, and he's gonna block shots even if he's not you know the most aware defender out there. Um, so so that's why I have him over Luka Doncic, who I again, I think is a better player but uh as a rookie to be Doncic's weaknesses like maybe his ability to to beat guys off the dribble right um that kind of thing is going to be a bigger issue that hinders his statistical production as a rookie
0: interesting so yeah i i have the same two guys i just have it flipped and and i understand all of your comments i i agree i think yeah 15 and 10 at least for Ayton is 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 probably on the cards he's he's just that much of a beast physically um, you know, but but I wouldn't be shocked if Doncic puts up, you know, maybe 14 points, seven rebounds, seven assists as a rookie. You know, uh, and I think it'll be an interesting, you know, you, you talk about last year's award and how it was a battle between Donovan Mitchell and uh, Ben Simmons. And I almost look at, uh, you know, uh, Aiton as the the Mitchell in that scenario where he might average a little bit more of the the maybe the points. But, you know, Doncic shows more of the all-around game and, and gets the award.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I would not be shocked at it. Like, it's, it's pretty close to 50-50 for me. Um, and, and I think that anyone else outside of these two would be pretty shocking. Like, like Marvin Bagley could put up counting stats, but that team is just going to be such a disaster. And, like, I'm not convinced. It's a much better bet to bet on DeAndre in putting up the counting stats, right? Um, and then, and then Shane Gilgis-Alexander, who we talked about earlier too, I think he's a bit of a sleeper here, but like, I'm not as, I'm just not as sold on him as a basketball player at all. And I also think that like, that team does have a lot of guards. It's kind of hard to know what direction it's going to go. So anyone else besides Aiden or Doncic would be a surprise to me. Um, and, uh, and I think that, you know, down the line, we can say that these guys will probably be like. Not necessarily the two best players from this class, but I think they're the safest bets by far to become, like, all-star level players.
0: Well, and that's that's the other interesting thing about the doncic uh, Ayton debate and who will win is also, you know, I feel like Dallas and Phoenix, there's kind of a wide range of what people expect out of those teams as well. And perhaps similar to last year where Simmons uh, and Philadelphia were able to win more games, albeit in a weaker conference, than than Mitchell and Utah did, uh, and and maybe that influenced some voters as well. Perhaps uh, whoever, whichever team does better this season, might uh, might get a bit of an edge as well.
1: Yeah, and I think it's up in the air which team is going to be better. I mean, uh, with you know with Booker out, that's going to make things really tough for Phoenix. I don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, I think I would predict Dallas to do better, but I think Phoenix has has some potential with Ariza, with Bridges, kind of you know some more floor spacing. Um, it, it really, and a lot of it's going to come down to how good Aiden is right away. Probably more than how much of Dallas's success comes down to how good Doncic is right away, just because they have some more guts in there. Um, but yeah, that, that'll be a really interesting question, and definitely could play into this. Uh, this award?
0: All right, so let's move on now to uh, we've just got uh, we've got two left. Uh, let's move on to your thoughts on the Defensive Player of the Year.
1: Yeah, so um, I revealed it earlier. I guess it's it's Joel Embiid. Um, I think that – I just want to say, like, I think that we're – people talk about how this is, like, a golden age for offensive talent. Um, I think it's more of a golden age for offensive scheme. I think that guys are taking more optimal shots. Teams are teams understand floor spacing better. Um, I think in terms of talent, to me, it's like a golden age of defensive talent because if you just, like, Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard, Rudy Gobert – Joel Embiid, AD, Giannis, like these guys are just like all-time free defenders, um, and I think this award could go to any of them. Um, it's so tough to pick this award these days. Uh, I mean, last year because of Draymond's kind of lack of effort that we talked about, Kawhi's obviously didn't play. Um, those guys had won the last three and been, been the two guys at the top for three years running. Um, Gobert finally got one, well deserved. Uh, him and Embiid both missed a lot of time and I think that if one of those guys stayed healthy, then they would have easily gotten it. Um, and I just, in a weird way, I, I think that Embiid is more likely to stay healthy than Rudy Gobert. I know that's crazy because of the the history there, but like last year, Embiid's injury was not like you know, it was a freak thing, right? It was his, it was, uh, not like have anything to do with his lower body Um, Gobert just seems to have these injuries every year. Um And so I don't know who's the better defensive player out of these two. It's probably Rudy by a tiny bit, but I think Philly's going to have just as good a defense as Utah. I think the numbers are going to be right there, rebounding, blocking shots, advanced numbers. Um, So I'm actually just betting on Joel to play more games this year and and with the award.
0: I'll have to agree to disagree with you on that one. Well, and, and, you know, I think Embiid played more than Gobert did last year, and Gobert still won. Yeah,
1: so Embiid played 63, and Gobert played 56. So yeah, and I guess I guess if it's a, I, they both miss so much time that I feel like people didn't really pay attention as much to that was seven game difference. But I could just see like I feel like Rudy Gobert, you know, play, seems to play about sixty games a year. I could see Joel Embiid if, if Embiid plays seventy something and Gobert's down there, I think that might be the kind of difference that that sways this thing.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a possibility. I guess when I, when I looked at Rudy Gobert's injuries, uh, from from last year, I felt like it was a lot of fluky stuff where guys just falling into his legs and that sort of thing. Um, you know, so, you know, he's had, uh, in 2014, 15, Gobert played 82 games in, in 2016, 17, he played 81. Uh, yes, he's had a couple of seasons, obviously last year playing 56 and, and the 2015, 16 year where he played 61. Um, but, but frankly, uh, I would say if you look at the track record, I would I would project Gobert to play more games. So uh, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, it's it, in that, in it, that sixteen
1: seventeen season. Didn't he get hurt in the playoffs?
0: Yes, yes, he did. Um, I mean, yeah,
1: but not, neither of these guys are are the most durable guy. And I guess I guess for me, it's just it's so close between them that I'm looking for that little edge. I also do think that like maybe Joel Embiid has a little more room to improve on the de- on the defensive end. I don't think his like his inst- his maybe his IQ is quite at the level it's gonna be at when he's like at his absolute peak. Um but I mean to me it's it comes down to these two guys. How do you how do you
0: see it? Oh yeah, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, I have Embiid I had Embiid as a close second last year and I have him projected as a close second this year. So okay. I think both of those guys are clearly the the cream of the crop in the NBA, I mean outside of of, of Kawhi and, and Draymond Green. And I guess, you know, Kawhi would probably be my my number three pick you know if he's if he's what he was back in his uh you know just from two seasons ago with San Antonio uh he he's going to be in consideration and he's one of the best uh, if not the best perimeter defender in the history of the NBA
1: yeah yeah no disagreements I think uh just before before we move on to MVP too I'm just going to say that Anthony Davis if New Orleans I think were like fifth or sixth in defense last year after uh Demarcus Cousins injury. If they can sustain that, I think AD is a great bet here. I don't think they're going to sustain it quite because I just think that, like, um, you know, Drew Holiday was, uh, you know, played all season last year, played 81 or 82. Um Rajon Rondo really turned up the defense in the second half. So I, I think that there's going to be some regression there. But if there's not, then AD might even be my pick for this award because he, another guy who has a reputation of being. Uh, injury prone, I think is genuinely more durable than, than either of those other guys.
0: Right. And and yeah, I just, uh, I question their ability to be fifth or sixth just because of outside of Drew Holiday, I feel like they, they severely lack talent defensively on the wing. And, yeah. and even guys like Solomon Hill, who maybe is an above average defensive player, really hurts them offensively. So it's questionable how many minutes a guy like him will play. But but yeah, certainly Davis, uh, you know, is is so long, so athletic it's it's so crazy watching him defend on the perimeter and a guy thinks you know oh davis is laying off me about five feet i can get the shot off and davis still blocks it
1: and these are guys like damian lillard and cj that, (laughs) right i mean that's crazy
0: all right so uh we we've come down to uh, the the most important and intriguing question is uh so simon who is your mvp for the 2018-19 season
1: yeah, so uh, I have kind of a long, long-winded long response to this one, so bear with me. Um, my pick is Stephen Curry. And, okay. And, I mean, look, I revealed earlier I'm a huge Steph guy. I'm sure there's some bias in here, but this is less about Steph Curry. I mean, I don't really need to make the case for Steph Curry, I don't think. Like, I think we all know how good he is. He's a two-time MVP, once unanimous. And I think anyone who actually watches basketball um, and looks at numbers beyond, like, pure points per game Knows that he's still basically that same guy. Um, he's gotten better in some ways. He's a bit stronger. He's a better defender. He gets to the line more. And, and he's a little less consistently insane from deep, right? Like he shoots 42, 43% instead of 45%. Okay. Still the best shooter in the game by far. Yeah. But, but to me, the, the case for Curry is really about the case against everyone else. Um, so LeBron. We talked about it earlier. He just doesn't bring the same effort in the regular season anymore. I don't think it's fair to even say he's the best player in the league if we're talking about a regular season award. He's just he just doesn't bring that same level of effort. He's, his best player argument is predicated on the postseason. Right. Um, and I and I think that the Cavs probably were maybe as good or better than the Lakers um, as a supporting cast. So so I don't I don't see LeBron having much of a case. Harden great candidate but he won it last year it's going to make it inherently harder for him um, I think Houston's going to drop into the 50s rather than the 60s and it's just hard to repeat as MVP when your team takes a step back like that uh, unless it's like a really you know bled field like we saw with Steve Nash in 05-06 where he kind of uh, backed his way into a second straight MVP um, <laughs> yeah. uh, AD great candidate but I have the Pelicans winning 44 games this year and even in the you know Post team success, Russell Westbrook triple double MVP era. Uh, I just think you still have to get higher than that.
0: So do you have the do you have the Pelicans missing the playoffs then at forty four um, wins?
1: I have them as my eighth seed actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had them missing the playoffs until the uh, the Jimmy Butler saga started to unfold
0: okay i actually i actually had the lakers missing until the jimmy butler stuff <laughs> okay yeah
1: it's, it's good that uh you know one of these teams is falling apart because it was, it was going to be unfair for like those 10 teams to have to compete for eight spots right um so yeah so that's my issue with ad similar issue with Giannis. i just even though i see milwaukee taking a leave i think it's more to like the high 40s than into the 50s um and it's just going to be really tough if you don't average a triple double to, to get an MVP with that kind of win total. Um, so that leaves Kawhi Leonard, who I think is a great candidate. I think he's my runner up. Um, I just can't be sure about the health. And I, I just, to me, Steph Curry is, is the safest bet. He's, he's going to produce. We know that his team is probably the safest bet in the league to win 60 plus games. They're going to be the one seed. I'm pretty sure this year, um, his importance to the team, to his own team is kind of unmatched. Like it's just so clear what Steph means to the warriors. Everyone knows what he means to the warriors. Um, he, he plays a lot harder than KD does in the regular season. Um, which is by the way, why KD is kind of off my list. I just think he's kind of been that LeBron part of his career where he doesn't, doesn't bring it night to night. Right. Um, the only question with Steph is health. And again, he's played 78 plus for five years before last year. Um, so I just think that like he checks all these boxes that I couldn't find anyone else to check, and uh, and I think like I easily will take the field over Steph Curry. I, I have no idea who to pick this year, and that's kind of why I'm going with Steph, just because he seems to have the least red flags.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could I could definitely see all of that that you mentioned happening. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be a very strong case for anybody, uh, and uh, you know the. You you mentioned earlier you wanted me to uh, to defend my Kyrie Irving on first team All NBA and That's you're about Kyrie. to learn why is because right, I right. have Kyrie Irving as my MVP of the 2018 19 season.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I, I'm excited to hear your case. I just want to say that like I actually really wanted to pick someone like that, maybe Kyrie, maybe someone else, because I don't love any of these top candidates. Um, and and I think that there's a, there is a really high chance that like we get a surprise guy kind of sneaking up and winning it. So I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to hear why you think it's going to
0: be Kyrie. Oh, Okay, so my, my thought on Kyrie is going to be similar to, and, you know, it's funny that you, you have Curry. I, I have Kyrie having kind of a similar case to when Steph won his first MVP in the 2014-15 year. Uh-huh. You know, the Warriors won 67 games. Steph Curry was the best player on a loaded team with Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala. You know, I I think Kyrie Irving is going to be the best player on a loaded team that wins 60-plus games and is probably going to have the best record in the NBA. Uh, And, you know, you look at Steph Curry's MVP stats from that season, he averaged 23.8 points per game, 7.7 assists, uh, you know, 63.8% true shooting on 28.9% usage. And I'll, I'll just throw out Kyrie's numbers from last year. Uh, he put up 24.4 points per game, 5.1 assists on uh, 61% true shooting and 31 usage. You know, so obviously Steph's numbers are a little bit better there, but I wouldn't be shocked if Kyrie takes another little mini leap. You know, the last couple of years, uh, he's he's continued to increase his three-point attempts, which I think improves his efficiency. You know, he's a 40% three-point shooter. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he puts up 25 points, maybe six assists, uh, really good efficiency, and and is the best player on the best team in the league. Yeah,
1: I I, I love that case, and I think that I really miss the days when that was how MVP was decided. Was like best player on the best team. Like to me, that's what the award should be for the most part. I'm not saying there can't be exceptions, um, but I think that when you say like, uh, oh, this guy. Yeah, his team won forty-five games, but that's for all of these other reasons. You're you're, you're running a risk there of of making a lot of assumptions because it's like, it, I, yeah, first of all, winning sixty plus games and being a contender is is just so much harder than being like a forty-five to fifty-win team. Um, I just think there's so much more value on that. And secondly, like there's kind of an unmeasurable value in being able to actually produce less and maybe your advanced numbers look worse because your team is better with you off the court or, or whatever it may be. Um, but being that leader of a great team, and it seems like Kyrie really embraced that leadership role last year. Um, and to an extent, DeMar DeRozan did too, by the way. I think he was he had kind of an interesting uh, season last year where people were like, oh, Toronto's better without him. Look at his on-off numbers. Um, but he was, he was really the leader of, of a team that played like a team. Um so that, that's just an aside, but I, I really like that element of Kyrie's game beyond the, what you can measure statistically, and if Boston is, like, a legit title contender, which I expect him to be, um, I would love to see him win the award or, or get more votes than, like, AD does on a 45 in Pelicans team,
0: for example. And, you know, the big question mark around Kyrie, similar to, as you mentioned, with Curry is the durability. You know, Kyrie has had his own fair share of injuries, and, and if he plays... You know, less than 70 games, he probably doesn't have a shot at this. But if he has a healthy season and and puts up big time offensive numbers like he's consistently done the last few years, uh, you know, I, I see him having having a pretty good shot. But but yeah, the uh, I certainly think uh, Steph Curry is is the better overall basketball player. But you know, like when Westbrook won it a couple of seasons ago, sometimes uh, a guy that's not even probably in the top five players in the league can still pull off an MVP
1: yeah yeah it seems like the award isn't really about that and i mean and and it shouldn't be right like like we're not if it was then we wouldn't have to base it on on anything except just who we think is the best player um yeah so uh i guess we went through all of them uh that was um was really a great exercise i have to say like you when when you reached out to me to do this pod like i hadn't put the work in yet for this this year i kind of delayed it and uh got me really excited for the season just kind of going through and, and figuring out where these guys fall in
0: yeah we're basically uh you know a a week out from from uh, from the NBA season it should be should be really exciting and fun to watch as always and uh, simon thank you uh, thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me Garrett. Thanks for listening to this episode of Duncan Dynasty. If you'd like to support the show, you can follow me and the program on Spreaker.com. That's S P R E A K E R.com. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a rating and review. You can email me at G Bougay, B U G A Y, at O-N-U dot E-D-U. Uh, you can uh, give me any questions, comments, concerns, compliments. I'd be happy to uh, to hear from you, and uh, hopefully I can get back to you as well. You can get a hold of me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Garrett Bouguet. Garrett is spelled with uh, two R's and two T's. You can also uh, catch me on Twitter at Garrett bougay. I plan on airing episodes just about every Wednesday with occasional breaks throughout the... Uh, the entirety of the 2018-19 season including the off season and uh, if you're if you're starving for more content i urge you to check out any of my guests previous material uh, a lot of the guys i have on have their own podcasts as well and do a lot of interesting stuff thanks again for listening and have a great day